This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. But as we continue in our Triple Threat series, we have gone through three passages, okay? We've started in Romans chapter 12, and then we jumped to 1 Corinthians 12, and then today we're going to go to, which I wish it was Ephesians 12, because that would make this a whole lot easier, but there's not 12 chapters in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians 4, so that'll be our text this morning. But just to kind of give some context to this series as we kind of do an overview, we've gone through the first two uh the first two threats, we're talking about you are a triple threat to the kingdom of darkness. Uh, the first one is obviously in Romans 12. That is what I would call life gifts. And that's what prompted Darren to even write a book um, called The Power of the Seven. It's an incredible book. If you haven't had a chance to read it, let us know. We will get you one of those. Just an incredible tool and resource to help you find your life gift. And then we jumped this past few weeks to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, which is what we would call our spiritual gifts. And then we're going to dive into ministry gifts today. And, and as we've been studying this over the past few weeks and months, you know, there's a lot going on in these passages. There's a lot of gifts in a lot of different contexts, and it can be overwhelming to understand and get some clarity of what's happening when and where and how do these gifts work and why. And so I've kind of boiled it down to these three simple questions to maybe ask yourself to help categorize these more efficiently. And it would be this. In Romans chapter 12, as it pertains to the life gifts, you would ask yourself, what is your place in the body of Christ? The, the universal body of Christ, as it pertains to your gift, what is it? And how does it apply to the body of Christ? And then when you move to the uh, 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gifts, you would ask yourself, what is the spirit leading to you to do right now in this moment? What are those gifts? And then in Ephesians 4, that we're going to talk about today, it's ministry gifts. What is your role in the local church, and specifically Conduit Church? And so those are three kind of delineations that may help give us some context to all of these gifts that we've been talking about. And so I want to read our text today, starting in Ephesians chapter 4, reading 1 through 16, just again to give us some context for where we're at. And it says this. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord... And we'll stop right there real quick. This is Paul speaking. This is Paul writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And he is instructing them, admonishing them, um, something that he did all across the, the New Testament, obviously with Romans and Corinthians and Philippians. This is in Ephesians. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Paul loved his prepositional phrases, did he not? But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host captive, and he gave gifts to men. He is quoting Psalms, Psalm 68 right there. And in verse nine, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave 
This is verse 11. This is our context. This is our text for today, specifically. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or personhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Sound familiar? By human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather, speaking truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for these scriptures. Lord, let it, um, let it do a work in our heart this morning. Lord, I pray for just a spirit of humility to just settle in this room so that we may hear your voice through your teaching of your word today in your name. Amen. Okay, so today is going to be an overview of Ephesians 4. This is going to be uh, a lot of teaching. Um, and so if you're a note taker, today is your day. If you love to take notes, you're in your luck. A lot of notes to take. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to do an overview of what these five gifts are. And then in the coming weeks, Darren's going to kind of drill down on some of these way more specifically. But today's a bit of an overview. And so an easy way to remember these five gifts in Ephesians 4 is this simple acronym, APEST. And it is, does not mean that you use your gift to be a pest to people. Um, it is a simple acronym to remember these five gifts. Sometimes it's called the five-fold ministry or the five-fold gifts. But these are the five. And it's important that we understand and realize that Jesus was all five of these things. He is the one that, that modeled it for us. He was the apostle. He was the prophet. He was the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. All of these found in scripture, he modeled it, he gave us the, the blueprint for how these should work and what these should look like. Jesus, our example. I do want to acknowledge, and we do want to acknowledge as a church body um, or as church leadership, that we understand there's a spectrum of opinion on this, okay? Just want to at least put that out there. There's a spectrum of opinion on one side that would say that there are no longer apostles and prophets and that Jesus fulfilled that on his own. We no longer have those or need those. That's one side. The other side would say that, yes, there are indeed apostles and prophets, but they are to be revered, lifted up, and placed in high honor. Um, we would kind of land somewhere in the middle, probably with what the scriptures would say. Um, and we would say that these are not careers, but are callings, and that every single one of you have a gift that is to be for the church. And we do want to say that if you have a strong opinion about that, uh, Darren is looking for some reading material on his flight home tonight, and you can email him at darren at conduitchurch.com. He does this to me every week. He says it every week, you know, email Mo. Well, this time it's his turn. And he did say to say, spell his name with one R. Um, that's not true either. It's two R's. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. All right, so let's bust through these. There's five of them. I'm going to start with apostle. 
Apostle just is the one who is sent. These are people that extend the gospel. They, um, they plant churches. They don't just plant churches, but they are the ones who are sent. There's, the word missionary is not in the New Testament. It's not in scripture at all um, because it's apostle. Apostle simply means one who is sent to do the work. There are plenty of examples of this. Um, many of them are networkers. They're innovative. They, they are looking for new ways to uh, ex expand and expound on the kingdom territory, whatever it takes. I think of, I think of the Ortons. You're an, you're an apostle. You have been sent. You are a missionary to Kenya for the work that is happening there. Many times these are entrepreneurs. They, they can't help but try to get there and figure that out in a way that's fresh and new. And that makes an impact somewhere to someone, specifically kingdom work. Peter, of course, was an example of this. He, was the, he's, he is who was sent to start the church, the, the, the brand new church after Jesus ascended. Of course, we have Paul, who I explained earlier, would travel around and was sent to these different cities to start and plant churches. And of course, the, the, the first ever apostolic power couple in Aquila and Priscilla, they were a tag team husband and wife group that you could read about in Acts that, that helped with Paul. And I may be so bold that we have another apostolic power couple in our midst and really Darren and Shannon in a lot of ways. They have entrepreneurial spirits. Um, before they ever started Conduit, they had multiple business ventures that they would start. Um, and they just have this drive to go and do and do new and new and exciting things in new exciting ways. Conduit was birthed out of that. And not only did they plant and start a church, but many things have happened across the globe, whether it's orphanages or clinics, schools, um, and of course, you know, digging wells all across Africa and Uganda. They've teamed up with other apostles, other missionaries along the way, some of the work that happened in Guatemala as well. These are examples of sent ones amongst us. Bible calls them apostles. We call them missionaries. It's the same thing. And they're exciting. We have a lot of them as a part of Conduit. Many of you do active work outside of these four walls. And it's a, the kind of the, the core and one of the threads that unites Conduit as a whole in terms of our DNA. Apostle. Next would be prophet, the one who knows. Prophets are ones that they, they, they are specifically keen on hearing from the Lord, very intentional, and then repeating what it is the Lord would say. These people are uh, diligent in their, in their time with, the, with God. They, um, they bring correction and challenge, kind of the dominant thinking. Um, in the church, they are watchmen and watchwomen on the wall that are kind of the lookout for a ministry. They would provide like the guardrails on the road of truth to make sure that a church or a ministry doesn't fall into theological ditches. They are constantly speaking truth in love. And you may say, Mo, I don't, I don't know any prophets. Well, our children's ministry director is a prophet. His name is Joey. <laughs> Joey Prophet is a prophet amongst us. Some of these jokes write themselves, and they still shouldn't be said, but it was there. But his dad, Benny Prophet, you guys ever spend time with Benny Prophet? I would venture to say he has the gift of prophecy. He is not afraid to speak the truth in love. He hears from the Lord, speaks very direct, and, and has helped many churches and many ministries across the globe stay grounded 
in truth. That would be an example. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. Evangelists are one of my favorite because they're the bringer of good news and who doesn't like good news? Who needs more good news? We all do. You can find it when you're with an evangelist. They are infectious communicators. They are relentless about the good news. They want to find any and all unbelievers in a group and tell them the good news, the good news of Christ, the redemption that's available for all of us. They cannot help but tell that story. Obvious examples would be you know, Billy Graham, who would have crusades and sell out arenas, not even sell out arenas. He did these for free, invite people to come and led millions of people to the saving knowledge of Christ. A lesser example might be somebody by the name of Barry Moreland, which you've never heard of, but he was an evangelist. He had the gift of evangelism. And Barry was a blue collar worker who uh, showed up to the factory every single day. And before work, he would get to his workbench and open up his Bible and would highlight different scriptures and pray. And then during lunch, he would do the same thing. He would uh, open up his Bible, uh, taking notes, highlighting scripture. Sometimes he would write them and cut them out and then tape them to the back of his toolbox so that when it was open, it would face the guy that was sat across from him on the other side of the workbench. And the other guy, and the, and the, the man on the other side of the workbench was my father. 22 years old, raging drunk, mad at the world, had just found out they were pregnant with this guy. And he asked a lot of questions. And it was a course of about 12 months, a year's worth of Barry being diligent and telling the good news every day that he led my father to the Lord on a, flat, on a factory floor. And it changed the trajectory of our family tree forever. An evangelist. The point being, if you're a bearer of good news, you don't need a stage or an arena to do it. It could be in your home, it could be in your workplace, it could be that person you run into the store, you're just sharing the good news. That could be a gift that you have, and that you would share that for all to hear. Shepherds, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, also known as pastors, it's the same word. Maybe on Sundays we'll start saying, hi, my name is Mo, I'm one of the shepherds here. That would be appropriate. It's the same word, synonymous, but they are the one who cares. They are nurturing in nature. They are caregivers. They provide comfort, listening ear. They encourage one another. You know when you're with a shepherd. They hear your voice. They listen. They are with you. They are present during hard times. And the analogy is interesting because, uh, you know, shepherding work is in, like, if you're an actually a shepherd that oversees a flock of sheep, it is not a glorious job at all. It's stinky and nasty, and sheep are just terrible animals to deal with. They're stubborn, and they don't listen, and they do whatever they want. Um, and so when Jesus called us his sheep, it really wasn't a compliment. Um, he was trying to get a point across. But that's kind of the work where... You, that, that street, that sheep goes astray. He leads them back to the flock. He gets stuck going the wrong direction. He leads them back like the song we just sang. He will go find the one and bring him back, the good shepherd. Jesus was the example for that. But you see shepherds all over the place. They are, they are the overseers of spiritual care in the church. If you are a mom that has kids and you are overseeing their spiritual care, you're a shepherd, you're a shepherdess. You dads that oversee the spiritual care of your families, 
you're a shepherd. And there's all shepherds all around us, whether you're a chaplain or a counselor, or maybe you are a pastor or an elder, but these are not careers. These are callings and it can start in your home. Also think of obviously John 10, but also Psalm 23. It's another example, example of what a shepherd looks like. Teachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, the one who explains. Teachers cannot help but be just a nerd about the scriptures. They just dive in. They want to read everything there is to possibly know about the scriptures. They find those little nuggets in there. They connect the dots that you didn't, you've never seen before. Um, they're not afraid to tackle hard passages. I think of one of the teachers that has spoke into my life over the past few years that has challenged me on how to just dissect scripture. That would be Pastor Darren. He is a, uh, a Bible nerd. He would call himself that. Um, he just can't help but dive into the Bible and the scriptures and learn it, understand it. And then it's more than that, though. It's not than just holding it to yourself. It is then teaching it, making it practical and learnable for the church body to equip the church, which we have the privilege of that each and every Sunday when he speaks. It's an example of a teacher. They're just great explainers and communicators. They have wisdom. They, they are a scripture translator. We have other teachers amongst us. I think of Tracy Rogers when she has the opportunity to teach. She does a fantastic job of breaking down the scripture. We have, we have Audrey Cawthon who leads our littles. I know you're standing in the back. It's okay. She leads our littles and she writes curriculum herself for your littles. As the spirit prompts her, as she studies the scripture, she writes these awesome little lessons for the littles. So does Joey Prophet. Besides being a prophet, he's also a teacher. If you ever get a chance, and I challenge you, parents, those that have K through fifth grade students, if you get a chance this year, I would ask that you spend maybe one Sunday in class with your, with your child. Just stand in the corner, maybe watch. You will learn more from Joey and his teaching and what he has given his workers to do down there and to teach the curriculum that he's writing. They will learn more down there. You will learn more down there or just as much as you would be sitting in here incredible teaching that your kids are learning. I also think of Joel Kelly, our student director. He teaches your teens every single week and spends time studying and learning the scriptures. I watch him. I watch him every week. He, he studies in his office. and He'll come up here on this stage and rehearse and practice, and, and then we'll ask questions on, does this make sense? Is this right? I love that. That's a teacher. Those are examples of teachers. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're a coach. Maybe you coach sports. Uh, maybe you're a trainer of some sort. Maybe you teach in, in a school. You have the gift of teaching. What does that look like in a kingdom mindset and the power that can come from that as you equip the church body? Those are the five gifts. If we learn them all by now, we we'll probably know them by heart. The apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Those are the five. That's the overview. That's the teaching part. I'm gonna end with just a few, few minutes that I have left with a little bit of a preaching part, okay? Over the past few weeks, several weeks, we have learned a lot about these spiritual gifts. It's a lot of information. And it's kind of like a tiller 
um, you know, in, in, into the ground as you're making a garden, like things are just being tilled up all over the place. There's dirt flying everywhere. And you're just trying to make sense of all of this new information. And, and maybe you're confused about the gifts or you're trying to figure out, well, am I called to this? Is this a, a, a gift or a talent or what is, what is happening? You're trying to make sense of it all. And I would encourage you that each one of you do have a gift and it's our job to develop it. You'll hear us use this phrase around the church is to discover, develop, and deploy your gift. That is, um, that is one of our mantras here at Conduit. As much as we love you being here and sitting in here each and every Sunday, we, we, we want you to go out into the world as the Lord would prompt you and be a beacon for the word and not just sit on your gift. I think of, I think of gifts um, a lot. My birthday's coming up. I just remember that. Your birthday's first, so let's not get carried away here. My wife's birthday's first. Um, but a couple years ago, my, my wife bought me a, a bike that I wanted just to ride around the neighborhood. And I was excited about that until I saw the box that it came in, which was about the size of this table, and it didn't look like a bike because it was in a thousand pieces, and which meant someone had to put it together. Wasn't going to be me because I'm terrible at those things. Um, but I received this gift and I was excited about the gift, but it, there was still some work to do to enjoy the gift or to appreciate the gift, to use the gift. And I believe the same thing is true for us. The Lord calls us to do the work. In fact, we just read it in, in Ephesians chapter four. It talks us about maturing, about growing up in using our gift. I think of the example of many of us, some of us that we know are still riding around on their bike with spiritual training wheels. They're grown adults and they have training wheels on. Can you imagine somebody riding down Lewisburg Pike up with training wheels on? No, it's silly. It's ridiculous. And so it is when we act that way. The scriptures encourage us to grow up to be mature in our faith and to do the work, to do the work. Perhaps you were given a gift and you never even opened it. The Lord deposited a gift into your heart. At some point, it was obvious, but you were out of fear or shame or just the unknown. Maybe, maybe you just didn't know what to do with it. You didn't use it. You just put it away. Just kind of tucked it away, put it in the the closet of your heart to never be seen again. I would encourage you today, church, to find your gift, discover your gift, and figure out a way to develop it. We want to develop it together. And here's why it's urgent and on my heart this morning. If you haven't noticed in the past year or so, we are in a bit of a war, a cultural war, a battle over the scriptures and just over the truth, a spiritual war, in fact, James, not James, Paul calls this out specifically just, just two chapters later. Read with me. In Ephesians chapter six, he's reminding the church of Ephesus of why this is important. And I am reminding you today of why your gift is so important. And to not just look at these gifts as just this thing, this topic, and not understand it. Yeah, it's, that's great. I appreciate you talking about that, Mo. And Darren, you read a great book. Awesome. And just move on, not think about it. It's more than that. And here's why. Chapter six in verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
put on the whole armor of God, and that whole armor of God includes the gift that is in your heart. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes there uh, refers to um, craftiness, deception. We've seen a lot of that lately in our world. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of these things, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. We call this, you are a triple threat for a reason. It's, it's, it's going on the offense. When we step out of this, this door and you pull, you pull away and you head home, we all head into a battle. There's a battle raging against us as the church, as unbelievers or as believers. The unbelieving world looks at us like we're crazy. But we have tools and resources to battle this and this is a spiritual battle. In heavenly places, we have the resources, but are you using it? It's like going out to battle and not using the resources that you have on you and just walking into the, out into the field and hoping for the best. That's not what we're called to do. All of that aside, which is true, you are still in a battle against the spirit and the flesh every single day. Every single day, you can choose to live in the spirit as the Lord leads you and guides you as you commune with him, as you study the word, as you pray, and you, you ask him to reveal things in your heart. You have the opportunity to live in the flesh and live, your, or live in the spirit, live your life in the spirit and be guided and directed in the spirit, or we make a conscious decision to live in the flesh. Those things that sound good, look good, feel good, the things that are easier to do, regardless, we are in a war, spirit and the flesh. We are clearly in a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. We've experienced a lot of that in the past year or so. A lot of confusion. God is not the author of that. So how can we take these gifts that he's given us, whether it's our life gift, our spiritual gift, or our ministry gift, how can we use those tools to get through the week? And not just get through the week, but to take ground, to take ground back for the kingdom. There's work to be done, church. And I'm excited to be a part of a church that is getting work done. We say it all the time. We're not screwing around. Our mission efforts, you've, you've seen over this past year, did not slow down just because of the pandemic or political unrest in certain countries. We actually sped them up. We did more. You did more. You financed more. You went. That's what we are going to do. That's what the church looks like when it's operating together in the body of Christ and it's healthy and healthy things grow, which is what it says in Ephesians 4 for us to grow. I'm excited. So I challenge you this week, dig in, ask the spirit to find, ask the spirit to reveal that gift that's in you that might be sitting there that's ready to be used. Let's stand and pray. Lord, I thank you for the people in this room right now. Lord, I thank you that they took their time and effort to be here this morning. There are so many gifts represented in this room. So many soldiers for you that are ready to be deployed into the world this week. 
So Lord, as we leave today, may we be reminded of the power that we have through you. That the power and the resources and the tools to live victoriously. Lord, you conquered sin and death, but that's not the end of the story. We still have work to do. I pray that these gifts are revealed to us in a clear and obvious way, in a practical way. Lord, help us to edify and encourage one another. Lord, I I pray for protection as we leave today. Lord, you would watch over this family, this church family, this flock. You would protect and guard against anything that would come against. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church. Have a good week.